Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision Podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast. I am your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined today by my fellow co-host, Osama Dahoud. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I was doing a Bill Belichick impression I, since yeah, this is... <laughs> <laughs> I got that, I got that. So, today's topic, from our very dramatic title, is the death of the Patriot Way. So this or was is in- it? Or is it? Yes, we'll discuss at length on this podcast. So the inspiration behind this was basically the Patriots being terrible for two years straight now, and there being a lot of rumors swirling that uh, Bill Belichick is you know, on his last days in New England. There's also the Josh McDaniels debacle in Las Vegas, which called into question some of the fundamentals of the Patriot way and all that other stuff. So... We wanted to talk about the Patriot Way. How do you define it? What does it mean? When did it come about? When did it become a thing? Is it over? Who gets the most credit for it? And all that other stuff. So let's take it back. Let's take it back to the 80s, the early, mid-80s, early 90s. And let's talk about Bill Belichick's background. I know you've done your research. So how much about Bill Belichick in his early days have you learned you know, as part of this, uh, this research process? Yeah, so he's the son of football royalty a little bit. Steve Belichick uh, was a coach uh, for the Detroit Lions, I believe. Um, And he was kind of revered in that way. So he grew up around football, watching film. uh, So it wasn't, he wasn't a stranger to it. Uh, He actually um, interviewed for a job with Don Shula as his first job in football. And Don Shula turned him down. Yeah, in Miami. Shula turned him down and said, look, kid, I know that you want to like watch film for the coaches, but I want my actual coaches doing that, not you. So it was like a rejection, but it was also a compliment at the same time. He was just a little too advanced to be in a junior position. Uh, So it wasn't until he started coaching uh, with Bill Parcells when he started to break through a little bit. Yeah, and that was with the New York Giants, where they won a couple Super Bowls, and he became the architect for that defense. So I, I also learned uh, and that was an incredible defense with probably the greatest defensive player of all time, and in, in, in Lawrence Taylor, LT. Uh, but anyway, as part of my Giants What If podcast that I did a couple weeks back, I learned that the Giants considered uh, having him as the predecessor, or sorry, the um, uh, the heir to Bill Parcells. But the reason they didn't is because he was too weird, which I think really was tracks, right? <laughs> the owner at the, of the time of the Giants uh, was like, this guy is a little too weird. He cusses a little too much, doesn't have much of a personality. Uh, so we're going to pass him up and, and hire someone else. And of course, you know, he ends up in Cleveland where he does OK. You know, I think they they had one playoff win, one playoff season, but you know, he, he's not much of a success there. And then he bounces around, does some assistant jobs, things like that. Uh, anything else you want to add about his like early career before, you know, the Patriots or at least because there's some funny stuff between him and the Jets. That I think we can we can talk about as well. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, uh, he didn't like hit the ground running. It wasn't always Bill Belichick was amazing all the time. Uh, he got into uh, got into it with uh Gary Jeter, he was on the giant staff who was ignoring Belichick one day. And he just cussed him out and said, you guys were 6-10 and 10 last year because your special teams is shit and gave him an earful. And uh, everyone got quiet and it was an acknowledgement that, okay, this guy's for real. He's not really screwing around. And from there, like that kind of said something like, okay, we're going to have to listen to Bill. Bill understands this. Um, but it wasn't until at, at the Giants, in the beginning, they more so admired his dad than they did him. Uh, so in his 20s, it was a little difficult. But in 1985, Bill Parcells handed the keys to the defense to Belichick and said, you're going to run with this. And it, 
no one was really happy about it in the beginning. You mentioned Lawrence Taylor, and he's like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, who is this guy? Why is mm-hmm. he going to run our defense? Um, but he earned it. He he channeled his inner asshole, uh, uh, him and Parcells together, and, and they got it done. And yeah, as, as we said, they, they did win two Super Bowls together. Uh, and they obviously had a great relationship because he followed him after the Browns job, which he was he was supposed to stay on as the Browns coach when they became the Ravens. But apparently the ownership, for whatever reason, maybe they wanted a coach with a little more uh, personality, whatever. But they fired him before they moved to Cleveland or sorry, before they moved to Baltimore. He ends up in uh, back in New York, but this time with the Jets, with Bill Parcells again. They do OK if they don't have that same, obviously, Super Bowl success. Um, and then he's actually supposed to take the Jets job when Bill Parcells moved on, and he actually took it. He was under contract. He agreed to it. And then in a really bizarre moment, which I, I can imagine how people would have reacted, like in the social media era, if this happened, like a lot of people still talk about the Adam Gase press conference where he looks like zonked out of his mind. Nick Sirianni, I think he's he was crying at some point. He was just really awkward. So I can just imagine... Bill Belichick coming up to the podium in New York City with a napkin. He literally wrote it in a napkin, like, I resign as HC of the NYJ. Just doesn't even have the decency to write the full thing out. And he goes on this long monologue, which we've seen him, you know, the the mumbling he does. And for 30 minutes, he talks about why he can't take the Jets job. And he ends up taking the Patriots job and yeah, there's a whole thing and the Patriots have to give up a first round pick for it. Do you know about any of this stuff that uh, like this bizarre history of, of him leaving the Jets at the altar? I saw it in, in a, a documentary somewhere. I, I don't recall the details. It just seems like he was there and he's already he found the my opinion. I think he found that there was a lot of incompetence going on with the Jets and he goes, I don't want to be in this place. I'm going to go to Foxborough and and work out of there. Which makes sense, right? I mean, the Patriots pre-Belichick, or I should say more so pre-Bob Kraft, were not a great team at all. They were like the one of the worst teams consistently in the NFL since the AFL days. They were more known for having like the goofy mascot on their helmet, you know, the which people like now, the the guy snapping the ball, but they were awful for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yep. I think he wanted control. Um, mm-hmm. As we've seen with the Patriots, he picks his own staff. He drafts his own players. And it's possible that at the time, Woody Johnson appeared to him to be a little meddlesome. And very quickly, he's like, I'm not going to get caught up in this. And you can tell he's very quick to make decisions. He's a no-nonsense guy. And he's like, okay, the Patriots are giving me carte mm-hmm. blanche to do whatever I want. That's the kind of job I want. Basically, yeah. And, you know, when they hired him, he became the GM and the head coach, which I think is a big thing he learned from Bill Parcells, right? That, that famous line, like, if you want me to cook dinner, you have to let me buy the groceries. Something like that, a paraphrasing. But, you know, Parcells with all his wit. But he used to say that. The and big I tuna. The big tuna. Best nickname in sports, maybe, in football. <laughs> but I think Belichick took that to heart. And he was like, yeah, if I'm going to be making dinner, I want to be able to buy the groceries and craft who, to his credit, had taken this team that was probably, I don't know, like fourth fiddle in Boston behind the, the Bruins, behind the Red Sox, the Celtics. Like, nobody gave a shit about the Patriots in the 70s and 80s and even in the 90s, maybe when they got to the Super Bowl in the, in the mid-90s. But this was obviously not the Patriots that we know today. So he takes the, the Patriots job. They go 5-11 and the first season. But there's a quick turnaround. What drove that turnaround? And actually, there's one thing I, I wanted to call out is you mentioned he was, uh, you know, his, his dad had coached in the NFL, but he also, his dad coached in the, at Navy. And that's where he grew up. And I think that, you know, military-ish background that came with, you know, probably working with his dad at, at, at Navy and all that, I think that really informed his approach to team building and team culture and all that when we get to, you know, how we define the Patriot way. But what what drove that turnaround from five and eleven to you know winning the Super Bowl the next year? Well, they got more defensive personnel, and I believe they got Drew Bledsoe, right? Um, so I think it might. No, Bledsoe. Mis- yeah, Bledsoe had been there since uh, the early nineties. Oh, okay. Um, 
I thought it was just the defense. They isn't that what drove it? They just added. Um, they added. Uh, Jesus, you're putting me on the spot. I don't remember. How about that? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the defense. They went from basically having you know a top. I think they were a top twenty defense to having the number one defense in the NFL or a top five defense, and they lucked into this guy named Tom Brady, who in his second year, I always thought. For whatever reason, I misremember that the year that he took over as a starter, I kept thinking it was his rookie year, but it's actually his second year. So yep. he just happened to take over as a starter. They win the Super Bowl, tuck rule. I'm 12 years old. I'm watching that. I'm crying as a Raiders fan. <laughs> they beat you know the greatest show on turf who were about to win back-to-back and just you know a lot of things go in their favor. But the year after, they go 9-7. and seven. And people are like, all right, maybe it was a flash in the pan. Maybe this Bel- Belichick guy is, you know, doesn't really know what he's doing. Maybe this Brady kid just kind of caught fire. But after that, from 2003 on, they just become this incredible dynasty and, and uh, the Patriots as we know them. But for you, when did they go from, oh, it's the Patriots, whatever, to like, oh, it's, it's the Patriots, like the mystique that came with, with that name? When did that start for you? 2007, it was like you couldn't, how could you not at that point? They went undefeated with the best wide receiver in the game, and you couldn't avoid it. They were unbelievable. They didn't lose any games except the very last one, and it was really hard to, there was the most exciting offense in football. I'm sure that that record's been broken a bunch of times now as offenses have evolved, but there wasn't at the time a better offense in the history of the game. Yeah, I think it was a bit earlier than that for me. I think it was when they went back to back in like Oh three Oh four, they beat the the Panthers in Oh three in the overtime game. And then they just destroy the Eagles. Well, didn't really destroy them, but they beat them the next year, the TO Donovan McNabb Eagles. And I already hated this team because of the tuck rule and all that. So, you know, watching that and they're going, you know, 14 and two every year, or 13 and three, whatever it is. So I think that those early days, like of maybe I'll say four or five years in when they had already won a few Super Bowls. And it was just like, okay, like this is, these guys are going to be a problem. You know, Brady was still young and you see the, the defensive brilliance of, of all these guys at the hall of famers that they had at the time, Richard Seymour and Ty law. And like, somewhere like the early, early days, Willie McGinnis guys like that. But as far as the Patriot way and calling it that specifically, for you, when do you think that became a thing? And we can talk about what it really means, but when did that become a thing for you? Well, we didn't really start hearing about it uh, until at some point after looking into the success, right? Other teams want to know how are the Patriots so much better than everybody at this. Everyone's looking at the same players and they're all trying to win, but the Patriots seem to be doing it a little bit better than everyone else. So the coin was termed at some point uh, in the early 2010s, probably commingled at some point around Spygate and Deflategate, probably like added awareness to whatever the Patriot way is supposed to be. Uh, and I mean, we'll get into what actually makes the Patriot way. I think it, it, w- it became a thing as, well, Tom Brady is taking less money to stay with the Patriots and so they can keep building and keep the defense strong because that was uh, kind of the crux of what made them relevant in an easy division. The defense was very dominant. Uh, so I think that's when the Patriot way became a thing. Yeah, I'd say it's like kind of late stages of the dynasty when that the, the term became you know part of the, the pop culture or whatever the sports talk. So... How do you define it? What is it when you hear the Patriot way? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's funny. Seth Wickersham wrote a book called uh, It's Better to Be Feared. And according to his report, they don't really use that in Foxborough. Like they don't call it the Patriot way. It's not like in mm-hmm. the uh, Constitution of the Patriots uh, to call it the Patriot way. Um, but it's like this emotionless uh, strive to win is the best way to define it. Like it's, you, you only blame yourself when you look in the mirror uh, and you're emotionless trying to pursue victory. It's team first. There's uh, ego at the 
you leave your ego at the front door. It's uh, a combination of those things. Um, Wickersham said that they were studying it in schools. That sounds a little overstated to me. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, the, the players would talk about how their game plans would be presented to them, like in the middle of the week on say Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and then when they'd get the game plan installed, it would undergo a bunch of revisions and adjustments all the way down to kickoff. Um, so it's some, like a theory that was very malleable that carried through their dynasty. Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail on that. I mean, I think that the ego part, leaving your ego, your personality at the door, I mean, it sounds like a negative, but yeah, leaving your personality at the door, it's it's very militaristic. It's like, which I think that's where the, the whole Navy thing comes in. It's it's not about, you know, you use all the cliches, right? It's, it's not about the name on the back of the jersey. It's the name in the front. It's... Um, you know, do your job. I I don't I think they didn't call it the Patriot Way. I think their whole thing was just like do your job. That was their their motto, and they always talk about that. Um, and I think they they took that approach early on, where it was like we're not about stars. I mean, if guys become stars, then sure, that's great. But we're not going to build our team around stars. Like instead of paying one guy fifty million, we're going to pay four dudes twelve million because we know it's about depth. It's about like spreading out your talent versus being hyper-focused in, in one player, one position. Um, I mean, it helped. You brought up Tom Brady would take a pay cut every year. We can talk about how much money he made and his role in all this, but it was really, they took that same approach to, to team building. Early on, they cut Lawyer Malloy because he got too expensive. They would always trade guys or release guys like a year or two early. They did the same. Richard Seymour, they they traded him away. Uh, Willie McGinnis, like the, the list goes on. Ty Law, Asante Samuel, all these big name guys, mostly on defense because they didn't have many stars on offense, but they just took that same approach. And I think what allowed them to do that was that that early success. And I think there was a lot of other factors. I mean, are, do you think of any other factors that that go into how the Patriot way was defined and why it was so successful? Well, to your point about cutting players it also felt like whether they thought something wasn't there anymore they also would use any hint of a entitlement to getting paid more as a excuse to cut someone so mm -hmm. uh, jimmy johnson uh, in another book that profiled belichick told him as soon as you see someone acting like they deserve the money you can really think about letting that player go go to the draft pick like 10 8 to 10 guys that you want and just get those guys. Don't worry about value. Oh, this is the best player available. Just get your guys. And if you need to get rid of someone to make that possible, and they start talking about how they're going to get a bag next year, uh, <laughs> act on it. So yeah. like, he, he definitely, like he learned this through the years. It, it wasn't obvious because we didn't start hearing about this stuff till they would cut like, uh, there was someone like, they would be running backs, right? They would just go through running backs like No Tomorrow. Jonas Gray was like a stand-up comedian. And then he, all of a sudden, he's like on the cover of Sports Illustrated uh, because he scored like four yeah. touchdowns in a game. Um, so, I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Um, but it, to me, it feels like it's all, it's two people, right? It's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It became yeah. like the conclusion, conclusion of what is the Patriot way. Uh, but I think even more so it's Belichick, like Brady is there and Brady embodied it because he bought in, but fundamentally it's Belichick and no one else. Yeah. I, I might push back a little bit on that later, but I think sure. to, to that point where you talked about the draft, that was the other thing, right? Is they're, they're notorious for always trading back. You know, they'll have a pick in the, well, they would always pick in, you know, late twenties or, or 32nd basically, but they were always trade back. They were just loading up, taking more and more picks on, being able to spread that talent out, getting more ch more and more chances of finding these diamonds in the rough. They were incredible at finding defensive talent late in the draft, undrafted. They were awful at drafting skill position guys, which I, I could never really quite understand the huge disconnect in the two. I mean, it's like you're evaluating football one way or the other. But there's they're long they have a long list of first and second round busts at, at skill positions. But I think the criticism of the Patriot way and kind of the or maybe not criticism, but skepticism that that comes with it. It's like, 
Well, first of all, like Alex Smith said earlier this week on ESPN, it's like you played in the worst division in football for 20 years. There was not a single elite quarterback that they faced in their division until Josh Allen. So from the Brady days, I mean, even Drew Bledsoe, when he got when they traded him to Buffalo or when he signed with Buffalo, it's like he was past his prime. He was washed up. But I mean, we don't have time to go down the list of all the quarterbacks they played, but they were all just about awful. Maybe the best guy is like Chad Pennington or something. So that's part of it. Tom Brady always taking a pay cut because he was married to the richest supermodel in the world. That's part of it. But I mean, what do you think of that skepticism? It's like, did you guys really do this or were you just, it just kind of the right place, right time for this to happen? I mean, you always need a little bit of that in sports, right? You do need things to fall your way, an injury, an easy division, whatever the case may be. But even on the biggest stage, they delivered, like the greatest show on turf, uh, the 28-3 comeback in the Super Bowl, that complete snooze fest of a but defensive masterclass against the Rams. Uh, I mean, they, they did show up when it mattered most. I mean, they, they went on some incredible runs in the postseason. So I, I do understand. And it, what did they lose like twice and three times in the Super Bowl? Like they, they won five or six together. And they still had like three other Super Bowls they could have won. Uh, I think that like circumstance, yes. But the Patriot way to me isn't like the success part amplifies it, but it's more so of a philosophy. It's like how Belichick wants to run the organization. So, for example, it's not just, yes, it's like everyone's sitting in their lockers and they're slumped over like, damn, we just lost this game. But they're only looking at themselves. No one's taking a, a accountability for anyone else but themselves. Mm-hmm. When they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, Belichick walks into the locker room and there was guys quoted as saying, like, he felt like a father figure to me after he gave this speech. He did, gave like a 45-second speech and just said, look, I'm, it's all on me. I'm sorry. We didn't prepare you well enough. Mm. The coaching staff, we failed you. Like, that's, that's selfless from a leader to even say that. And, I've, and knowing, not knowing, I don't know Bill, but like get, <laughs> seeing him profiled through the years, you actually genuinely believe that. Like, he wasn't just in the the business of collecting talent. He's like, if a scout, say he has a scout, right? Like they, him and his scouting team could go pick a highly functional player uh, and, and put together a highly functional team. But he didn't like the group think he didn't like lazy, insecure scouts who spoke to other scouts. He'd go cut someone like that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's, he's the CEO and every GM and coach is considered like a CEO. I just think that, the way he runs it, whether it, it failed or not, he, yeah, it's just implementing your your idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's like a six, cyclical relationship where the philosophy informs the success, and then the success kind of backs up the philosophy, and you go round and round and round, and it basically all works out. And I think one of the main things is like their their attention to detail. You know, they were always, you know, they weren't hev- heavily penalized. They looked for every single advantage. Sometimes you know, outside of the rules, but that's kind of the legacy of the NFL is like you, you cheat until you get caught. You know, Al Davis, it was always, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And they would push the boundaries of what was acceptable, what was legal or whatever. But they would also like, there was one thing I always remember is Bill Belichick always wanted left-footed punters. Why? Because the flight of the ball or the spin of the ball is different than a right-footed punter. So when the you know opposing team is is trying to field that cat or field that punt, it's a it's weird to them, and it's like just to be able to. I mean, it's such a small thing, it's such a small detail, but obviously, like the it's game of inches, all these cliches or whatever. But like that stuff matters, you know. Field position matters. That's why he always emphasized special teams. So it's like that extra attention to detail and paying attention to the little things, whether it's the personalities, whether it's the egos, whether it's a left-footed punter, like. To me, that's what the Patriot way is. It, it's not so much, you know, I mean, obviously it's it's the ego list thing. It's all that. But to me, it's more about we're going to take advantage of every advantage we can find and we're going to be more prepared than you are. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's we, we will outwork you like we'll mm-hmm. be well prepared. We're going to be disciplined and we're going to outwork you. That's the Patriot way. Um 
it's it's funny uh but they're also like you said will they'll bend the rules if they have to right yeah. <laughs> it's a nice way to put it yeah they'll bend the rules yeah yeah whether they allegedly are not deflated footballs and they were they were re recording practices there was a quote i saw somewhere that was like there's nothing that they're not aware of they're very <laughs> well aware of everything going on one of my favorites and this is much more lighter than some of the other things they've been accused of is do you remember the there was a game against the Jets where okay. Belichick trolled the Jets and intentionally kept taking five-yard penalties on to get yeah. a delay of game and running out the clock. Yes. And then the camera turns to him and he's kind of got this just <laughs> smirk, just like shit-eating smirk on his face. Yeah. Like delighted and like just got like just gloriously like, yes, I did this to the Jets. So the in Tom Brady's last game, Mike Vrabel did this yep. to them too, and he was furious. He was so pissed. He was so pissed. Yeah, he's the only successful Belichick disciple. We'll talk about that too. But yeah, I think that was like the only time I've seen him smile on the sidelines, aside from like winning a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> so, but let, let's talk about Tom Brady because I think there's been a lot of conversation recently in who was responsible and who wasn't, and I think. It's it's relevant because I, I think that conversation always comes up when it comes to, you know, a dynasty or a coach and a great player that are tied together. Like for the Warriors, is it the culture of Steve Kerr? Is it the, or the culture of Steph Curry? For the Spurs, is it the culture of Tim Duncan? And, or is it the culture of Greg Popovich? And I, so for when it comes to the Patriots, I think you said that it was because Tom Brady bought in. But to me, it's he was the one that was like, obviously Bill Belichick was the driver because he's the, you know, the, the coach and the GM and all that. But I don't think any of this is possible without Brady buying in. And basically like he embodies the Patriot way The you know, no ego he doesn't have much of a personality. He's, you know, this handsome dude, he's the goat, but he's not doing endorsements and he's not doing commercials or anything like that. So, to me, it's like I, I give him I give him, I think, more credit than than most folks. What do you think? I think that's fair. Tom Brady delivered at the end of the day. Belichick wasn't throwing footballs out there. It was Tom mm -hmm. Brady. But at the end of the day, like the way I look at it too is he had a he did have a crap division and he had an amazing defense by a defensive mastermind. Like when he went to Tampa Bay, he didn't go to, you know, the Jets. He went to <laughs> Uh, yeah. They had like a menacing pass rush with four guys. They had a pretty good secondary. Like he didn't go to a team that could. They couldn't... were loaded, loaded yeah. with talent. Yeah, he had like one of the best wide receiving cores you'll ever see with his buddy Gronk catching and blocking for him. Like that was also like a well built team. I mean, to his credit, at forty six years old or whatever, should be the case. You shouldn't be uh, playing like a pickup game at the rec center at that age. You should be like <laughs> playing with like the best possible team you can uh but that's why those it's 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 narrowed down to two people right um mm -hmm. there were plenty of other coaches that worked for belichick and I'm, i think i don't want to take too much away from getting to this later but uh it, it, it it's all the patriots ever needed and yeah he did win without belichick but it was the same a similar situation he just had mm -hmm. better wide receivers but the same formula so it seems like if you t punch Tom Brady into, because he's a great quarterback, a good defense, he'll win the title. If you put Aaron Rodgers into, or Peyton Manning into Bill, a Bill Belichick team, they'll execute the shit out of that, and they'd probably have more titles. And they'd have more titles if Tom Brady didn't exist either, for that matter. But <laughs> Yeah, very true. <laughs> for, for me, like, yeah, you, you have to give Tom Brady maybe a little bit more of their credit than Belichick. But without Bill Belichick, there'd be no Tom Brady. He believed yeah. in him. Uh, I agree. I think it's really, it's simplistic to say it's, oh, it was all Brady or it's all Belichick. I know it's not fun to have the, oh, you know, it was both. You know, let's be reasonable and rational and give both guys credit. It's like, you know, well, Tom Brady's probably not winning a Super Bowl or six Super Bowls without, you know, top five defense or number one defense almost every year. And then Bill Belichick is not winning a Super Bowl or even making it to the playoffs without Tom Brady, as as we've seen, you know. So it it matters who your quarterback is, obviously, but it maybe matters 
a little bit less who your coach is because Brady won elsewhere. So I don't know. You, you could talk about this and you could talk in circles about this, but I, I do think the, the easy answer, even though it's kind of boring is, is both guys were ultimately responsible and it's a symbiotic cyclical, whatever word you want to use relationship here. So, but let's talk about Brady again. When did, has your perception of him changed or did your perception of him as a person or, or personality or a player change after he left the Patriots or were you kind of consistent the whole time? Uh, I mean, it, it just, he kind of reinforced that he really is, you know, the best quarterback in terms mm-hmm. of accomplishments and even in just those big moments, like there, sure, you can say an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes looks more talented, but Brady is like the most FU quarterback ever. Like the way he just like for me, that game against the Broncos, the I think it was the deflate gate year. They had to knock him down like 30 times to barely win that game. They just sent two polar bears at him, Malik Jackson and Von Miller. And that was the only way to stop them. Uh, the Giants with the, with their pass rush, like Brady was just like Frankenstein. That's how it, what it always felt like through the years. Yeah. So my perception of him didn't change. I think what did start to become apparent, and the Patriots at the time really denied this, was when that story came out about how Belichick and Brady's relationship was always kind of cold and transactional, mm-hmm. where Brady's relationship with Robert Kraft was much more friendly. Uh, it's kind of easier, I guess, for the rich guy with all the success to yeah. just love the star player. And, and I think that towards the end, uh, he got sick of it. He got kind of sick of Belichick treating him like an employee. And he started to call himself an employee of the Patriots. Uh, which kind of like he's kind of playing down his role there even mm-hmm. more, kind of rubbing it in. Yeah, I just kind of work here. <laughs> um, and you can kind of see that. Like he had that, uh, what was his, Alex Guerrero, right? Yes, the doctor yeah. that wasn't really a doctor. The TB12 Bel- method. Yeah. Yeah. So Belichick was like a control freak, like we talked about. He's like, get this guy out of here. I don't know who he is. He's not a doctor. He doesn't work for the team. He works for Brady. I don't want him here. And I think that was like the, the last straw for Brady. Like, okay, look. I want to take care of myself a certain way. I want this person here. Oh, you don't want this person here? All right. I'm like sick of this shit and not saying anything because we're not supposed to. I want to go do podcasts. I want to go do crypto commercials. Like, yep. enough of this shit. Yeah, I want to get drunk on a boat during the, the Super Bowl parade, yeah. uh, the boat parade they had in Tampa. Yeah, and um, to me, you know, Brady was always this cold, emotionless guy. He was... You know, the only time he would get fired up is when he was yelling at his his receivers or Josh McDaniels on the sideline. So we didn't get to see his personality. And that was, you know, definitely by design. And I think, like you said, I think it wore on him after a while. It's like, well, you know, you guys are talking about Belichick all the time and the Patriot way and do your job and all that. It's like, you know, I'm I'm the one leading all these two minute comebacks. I'm the one that's throwing the ball like I want some credit. I want to get paid to reflect, you know, what I bring to this team. And I think later in his career, I think his last year there, they gave him like a big one year contract kind of as like a, all right, we kind of feel bad for you getting, you know, 13 million or 20 million when other guys are making 30, 40. So, you know, here's a little bit extra, but like, I think that was ultimately what, what caused the fracture and kind of the end of the Patriot way is that Bill Belichick, despite everything that Brady did, he still saw him as just another player. I think he saw him like as just as replaceable as a cornerback or a defensive tackle or whatever. And I think when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in was it 2014, I think that was when Brady started to be like, oh, okay, you guys are just trying to get me out of the door. And, you know, three, four years, three, four years later, he's, he's gone. But like to you, to you, when do you think the cracks really started to show in the relationship and kind of the, the end of of that dynasty yeah i don't think he wanted jimmy garoppolo on the team um he was asked about it and the steve young joe montana comparison and he talked around it mm-hmm. but he never actually said no it's not like that at all uh, i think there was some resentment to uh, garoppolo being there and i think there was a story where he like intentionally locked him out of the training facility <laughs> uh, or something like I that wouldn't, i wouldn't doubt it yeah yeah he's just trying to mess with him so Kraft, dele- he delegated this to Belichick and said, like, okay, if you think it's best to... Because they traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers, and Belichick said, I'm going to send him to a place where I know he'll be taken care of. 
because I think he felt that Brady was going to go to Kraft and say, get rid of that guy and trade him to the first place that mm-hmm. is willing to take him. So Belichick said, F that. I'm going to trade him to Kyle Shanahan because I know he'll take care of him. Uh, it, Robert Kraft was asked, he said, well, what if you were asked about trading Brady and starting Garoppolo? He said, there's no way I would do that. Like if he wanted to him to retire a Patriot, if he wants to play till he's 50, he's going to be a Patriot till he's 50. Um, so I think that it's the Alex Guerrero thing and it's the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And Brady's like, and I'm sick of living in this cold Massachusetts. I want to get out of here. My yeah. supermodel wife wants to get out of here. Like it's time to go. Yeah. She's got a lot of bikinis she wants to wear down in Florida. Uh, I mean, and to be fair to Belichick, they drafted Garoppolo when Brady was 37. So conventional wisdom says you're a quarterback. You've been playing. This is your 13th year you're going to go downhill at some point. There's no way you're going to continue to stay at this level at 37 years old. You know, even if you're still good for another year or two, that's the Patriot way, right? Is we're going to get rid of you a a year or two early versus a year or two late. And I think everything that Brady wanted at the end was kind of the antithesis of that Patriot way. It's, you know, like you said with Kraft, he's like, oh, well, he can stay here as long as he wants. It's like, well, you know, you're put then in that point, you're putting the player before the team. So again, just goes against the whole philosophy and all that. Uh, So why isn't the Patriot way working anymore? Why? What happened? What's gone wrong? I mean, uh, other than the obvious answer, uh, what's gone wrong in New England? That's that's changed the perception of the success that they've had there and, and everything like that. Winning football games. Yeah, I was going to say Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Mac Jones is on top of that. Like, they, I mean, they tried. They got Cam Newton, and he was already broken at that time. He couldn't throw a football. Uh, they tried Mac Jones. They had a couple of scraps. It's really hard when you don't have a quarterback. Like, their defense was still really good the last couple of years. They, they drafted Christian Rodriguez this year, who got hurt. Um, they have JC Jackson. They have um, uh, Matthew Judon. Like, they have some still. Same menacing like Belichick defense, but it's really hard to get a good mm-hmm. quarterback. I will say he he went for when he did have the chance to spend, he didn't exactly go spending on really good players. Like he it was early in the free agent window. Yeah. And he goes and like a teenager with a credit card, he goes and gets Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry and uh uh there's another tight the t- other tight end from the Titans. Janu Smith, yeah, it was just like a weird spending spree of players Nelson no one Aguilar. wanted. Yeah, yeah, just no one wanted any of these guys, but they were probably valuable, and he filled up his roster right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, obviously, like offensively, that that's an issue. But ultimately, it's the quarterback. Like I, I still see the same Belichick defense. Yeah. You need at the end of the day, a quarterback's the most important position. It's hard to get it right. There's only a few good quarterbacks in the league anyway that will really get you there. So I think they're just they're they're missing that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the obvious answer. I think that's the main thing is is they don't have Tom Brady. They don't have even a like replacement level quarterback to that can kind of keep things moving. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, the brain drain, right? Like they kept losing coordinators. They were not. He was hiring his sons as like defensive <laughs> assistants. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, like. All these guys that sh- you know shouldn't be coordinators are basically running this team alongside him. I think he's also just getting old, and I think it's it's normal, right? He's in his seventies. He's not obviously not going to have the same fire and drive to like come to work every day at four o'clock in the morning, like Sean McVay or some of these like younger dudes that are crazy workaholics. It's just so the the easy explanation is, oh yeah, you know it was never Belichick, it was always Brady, and that's kind of the the hot take on Twitter, but it's like, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think there all these factors combined, but the primary one, of course, is, is the quarterback. So speaking of brain drain, they have lost some considerable, you know, guys that had, it looked like they had potential to be great head coaches over the years, but they failed to implement the Patriot way. There's some notable failures, the New York Jets, the Cleveland Browns with Eric Mancini, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell. The list goes on and on and on and on. Josh McDaniels, definitely got to mention him uh, <laughs> multiple times. 
why have these guys just failed completely and just fallen on their face trying to replicate the Patriot way somewhere else? Yeah, it was interesting because uh, a lot of those guys, McDaniels was like the last one to not get a job. All of them got jobs. Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cronell, and the list goes on. Uh, and Josh McDaniels didn't. And those guys didn't, didn't, it didn't click the same way. It felt like maybe they brought some of that with them, but it wasn't reflected on the football field. Um, but it seemed like, to me, this goes, it goes back to Belichick. Belichick is the system. Uh, at the end of the day, it best way to describe it, I would say, not just philosophy, but I think it's pragmatism. Like mm-hmm. a lot of football teams use data people, the 49ers, the Browns. Um, and there's, there was thought to be the like this money ball approach that the Patriots have this staff that figures it out. And uh, with Belichick, it's like, guys, we lost today because we just didn't tackle good. Like if, <laughs> for Belichick, it's it's a it's a matter of pragmatism. When it goes to McDaniel's, I think there was a feeling that maybe it's the Patriot way. Uh, but Michael Lombardi was quoted telling Seth Wickersham, "It's it's just it's all Belichick. These guys are mm-hmm. are fine, but there's the reason why those guys didn't succeed is like they were employees here, but it, Belichick is the brains of it all. So look, it's not like those guys were like terrible coaches, but they stood next to an all time great." who developed this system, it's really hard to go carry that somewhere else when you weren't the brains behind it all. It's very different than the Shanahan coaching tree, which is behind like a run blocking scheme that seems to work everywhere. It's worked in the league for like over 30 years. So it's very, it's very different when your philosophy is implemented as more like a culture versus when it's very schematic. It's culture. It's that attention to detail that we've talked about. And I think a lot of it is, the personality and the the cachet that that it comes with Bill Belichick, right? When you know a couple Super Bowls in, if Bill Belichick tells you, "Check, leave your ego at the door. Don't do commercials. Don't do whatever. We're gonna watch your social media. All this stuff." It's like, yeah, it's freaking Bill Belichick. This guy has he's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want because I know we're going to win. We're going to be successful. If you're Josh McDaniels, Eric Mangini, you're trying to be a hard ass and you're talking about, oh, you know, we're better watch what you post on social media. We're going to monitor all of that. Don't talk to the media. Uh, Don't do this. Don't do that. And you don't have like the same people skills, the same personality, the same man management skills to use a soccer term. Like you're just you can't fake the funk. Basically, if you're not Bill Belichick, you're not going to be able to do Bill Belichick things. If you're Josh McDaniels and you're telling a quarterback or a tight end, your star tight end or your star quarterback, hey, leave your ego at the door, do exactly what I tell you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, (laughs) you know, I know better than you because what have you done without Bill Belichick? But of course, with Belichick, anything he says goes because he has that cachet. And then obviously they didn't have Tom Brady and we talked about him buying in. Obviously, not even just from a talent on the field perspective, because some of these other guys had talented teams and talented quarterbacks, and they still failed, but they just didn't have that superstar guy buy in to their culture and everything like that. So it's just like you just it's all it was all fake. And I think that that was the problem is it wasn't authentic the way it was with Belichick, and they didn't have that same cachet or pull that came with it. So it's about 12 weeks into the 2023 season. The Patriots are likely picking in the top two, top three. They're probably going to get another quarterback. Is this the end for Bill Belichick? Do you what do you think happens next? I mean, do you see him? Because people, a lot of people talk about him chasing that that Don Shula record for the most wins uh, in, in NFL history. Do you see him continuing to do that in New England, or do you see him going to you know Washington, like some people have talked about, or even? Uh, L.A. with the Chargers, which just seems crazy. I just can't picture him in like powder blue and yellow <laughs> on the sidelines in L.A. of all places. But what do you think happens next? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, those are his two. I mean, he has three options, right? He could retire and just say like, I'm done with football. Although I, for me, like I remember watching the NFL Top 100 and mm-hmm. he was sitting there talking football and Ed Reed walked in the room. 
and he probably wasn't even as happy to see his own son born than he was happy to see Ed Reed. <laughs> it's the happiest day of his life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just loves football. <laughs> so maybe he doesn't retire. Uh, I don't know if he wants to keep sticking this out in New England. Uh, maybe he has the Tom Brady burnout. Like, I'm sick of this cold. I want to go, go somewhere else. I always liked the Chargers um, route because... We know their coaches, like you always say, a bit of a donkey. Uh, he goes for on fourth down on like his goal line. He's not really good at at reading the room, at using the odds right. Uh, Belichick, he have a quarterback that I know people have reservations about, but he's a gunslinger. He's a, clearly a better quarterback than anyone Belichick has had outside of Brady in a, in a while. And I'm sure he can fix the defense because that's what he does best. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of his best shot being, let me just do what Brady did and go to a better situation. You know, mm-hmm. like go to where, like, I got the quarterback now. I can make the defense. I'm out of here. What about, what if he, they do end up, you know, picking number one or number two or whatever, and they draft uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May, you know, with his top two quarterbacks. People made the the comparison between, you know, Pop and getting Wembenyama and that kind of thing. Do you think that would convince him to stay? Or is are we just kind of overreacting to a couple bad seasons in a row? And you think he'll just he'll stick it out because he's maybe not loyal to the Patriots, but he's loyal to his legacy? You know, because I know he's big on that. Like you talked about the top 100. He's a student of the game. He's a historian of, of the game. I think legacy matters to him. So I think he would want to get, you know, break that record with the Patriots. but. Yeah, I mean, do you think his his outlook changes if they bring in that new quarterback, or is he just like, I don't want to have to deal with some twenty two year old Gen Z kid that's on TikTok and doing all that? Like, what do you think? That's certainly possible. I it would be dumb to not at least give it a shot. Caleb Williams, I, I think, under pressure or something like that, has been like the best quarterback in college football, regardless of a couple losses. He's looked mm-hmm. very, very good and clearly uh, a great prospect. It's up. I don't know. I, I I personally like the Chargers scenario just because it's ready now. Mm-hmm. It will still take a couple of years to develop this kid. So personally, like if he wants the record, I think he should go to the Chargers and just add a couple pieces to a roster that has a lot of good talent already. A good running back, a good set of receivers. He's got a few uh, defensive linemen and linebackers already there. Uh, someone clearly willing to spend there also. So. I like the Chargers route, but if he did want to stick with the kid, uh, he can try, test his formula out again and mm-hmm. see if he's just past his prime, uh, yeah. or if he or Tom Brady should come back and play for him. Yeah, there you go. Maybe he's, <laughs> it's a chance for him to reinforce that. Yeah, it was me all along. Uh, I will go on record as a Raiders fan and say I hate the Chargers idea. Do not come to Los <laughs> yeah. Angeles. Uh, Bill Belichick, uh, go to Washington um, or the Giants or somewhere. Uh, in the NFC, you can stay uh, out of my division, out of my conference. Uh, so the title was, or the title of the podcast is The Death of the Patriot Way. So is the Patriot Way dead? Yes or no? You can expand on that, of course. <laughs> well, Bill Belichick's still alive. So there's just no way it could be dead. Uh, that's That's my feeling is, yes, like singularly, him and Brady made the Patriot Way, their success uh, elevated it to a higher status, but in terms of philosophy and culture, uh, wherever Belichick takes it, it's now going to be the Charger way or whatever, right? Like it'll be a different. No, it, <laughs> it won't be the Patriot way. Uh, wherever he goes, he he carries it with him. It'll be, I don't know, Belichickism, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, uh, instead. So yeah. I don't think it's it's dead. It it could be that uh, it's taken a break in terms of the success element of it. But uh, the attention to detail, the discipline, the other stuff that has made it what it is, I think, if he, whether he gets a top pick or he goes to a new team that's ready, I think we'll see it back on track. Yeah, I think it is, Dad. I, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no fun if we agree. But I'll, I'll tell you why, why I think it's dead. I think uh, for some of the reasons why it was kind of fading in the first place is his age. He's just he's not the same dude that he once was, which is okay. You know, we all, you know, father time is undefeated. He's not going to be grinding tape the same way he was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, so that's a big factor. 
I think anywhere he goes next, I think they would be honestly foolish to give him personnel control. Uh, I think even the Patriots need to take some of that away from him because, you know, you look at their drafts, like the last five years, like obviously we talked about their skill position guys, how many of them they've, they've whiffed on. But I think just in general, they've just not drafted well. Like obviously everyone's going to hit once in a while, but I think like if, in totality, they have not drafted well. And if he's the GM and he's not putting in the same time that he used to because of his age or whatever, I think they're going to have to take some of that away from him, whether you know it's in LA or if he stays in New England. So I think if he's not buying the groceries anymore the way he used to, uh, I just don't think that he's able to give the game the attention that it needs. I mean, I think he's still obviously like an upper echelon coach as of today. I mean, look at the awful coaching we see in the NFL on a weekly basis. I mean, Josh McDaniels had a job, Brandon Staley. Every week, there's just donkeys out there doing donkey things and making bad calls. And, you know, so I think just because he's Bill Belichick alone, like that gives him a leg up on everybody else. But I just think the way that he used to, you know, dominate every little thing, I think it's just, it's not going to happen anymore. And that's fine. You know, it's just, it's the end of an era. It's a star driven NFL. Now, I think more than ever, two, three blue chip guys versus having, you know, that, that talent spread out. Am I being dramatic? What do you think? I think you're calling him old. I think this is age shaming. I think that's what you're doing. <laughs> you're like, well, I mean, he's, he's 70 and it's not going to work because he gonna, he's going to fall asleep during the games. Now <laughs> he's going to take I a mean, nap on the just... sideline. Yeah, right. Maybe it's ageism. Yeah, that's all. But I'm glad we disagree because it's not it's not fun if we if we agree the whole time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I do think it's over as we know it. Um, I hope he goes to Washington or something like that, somewhere away from the AFC, uh, or maybe he comes to the NFC West and torments you guys um, out west. So, but yeah, any any final thoughts, man? Anything you know? Parting words for Bill Belichick and the Patriot way. I hope he doesn't go to Seattle. <laughs> he could, right? From one old guy to another. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, hell, hell of a run, Bill, either way. Yeah, we've, we've suffered at his hands for too long. Uh, as uh, Well, you guys haven't, but, you know, uh, us Raider fans have and uh, everyone else in the AFC. Uh, so that's it for the podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. Thank you, Osama, for... Uh, taking your time here today make sure to leave us a review subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on youtube got a bunch of cool content there check us out on tiktok instagram twitter all that good stuff thanks y'all peace out bye everyone